And this is Jen. And this is Kurt and Jen Make a Podcast. And this week is a very special week. Yes. For a couple of reasons. Uh, for one reason, we are going to talk about a band that is typically considered a, a comedy band, which is what we what? usually don't That's do. against our rules, I know, Kurt. it's against the rules, but uh, we... We decided we're going to do it. Uh, we had a very special suggestion of a band from one of our listeners, and uh, we thought we would talk about the Tenacious D. So, what kind of listener talked you into this? <laughs> well, it's uh, it was someone that we had uh, as a guest on the game show show not too long ago during the pandemic. Um, but also, this is a very special episode because we are going to have a guest on the what? show. And Jen, what did you say? I don't say? know how I feel about a guest, Kurt. I don't know how I feel about this. Well, what if I was able to get a guest that is a 15-year podcast veteran? Well, then I'd have to say yes. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm in luck because our guest today is from the Never Not Funny podcast, Matt Belknap. How you doing, Matt? Hello. Oh, good to be here. I, I can't believe how easily Jen caved on that. <laughs> I, I thought there was going to be like a laundry list of things that were like, how about this? And how about this? And it was just like, no, he's done podcasts for 15 years. All right, let him in. That's it. That's all I needed to hear. Oh, that is all that I needed to hear. Okay, it cool. Literally, it was the first podcast I ever listened to. So oh, it wow. seems fair. Okay. Yeah, seems well, that's fair. great. Yeah. So Matt, you were the one that suggested uh, suggested Tenacious D. And yeah. you were, at one point in time, the number one Tenacious D fan in the world. Is that a correct statement? I, I believe that to be true. And I think there are probably even other people who would agree, would have, would have backed me up on that at the time um, for, for a couple of reasons. Um, Did you I, have to fight someone to the death to earn that title? <laughs> it does seem like that's how it should have worked, given it's the, the nature of Tenacious D. But no, um, uh in in 2000 early 2001 i think um i got really obsessed with tenacious d and i i created a message board uh on a platform that doesn't exist anymore i don't think but basically there used to there was a thing called easy boards where you could make your own message board about anything you wanted and uh the uh, tenacious d had signed a record deal with sony music but they hadn't put anything out yet and so so they're only they had a shitty website and then they had a shitty Sony website. And <laughs> in both cases, like you couldn't really, it wasn't. Were there, con- were there not shitty websites in 2001? <laughs> I believe they well, were all shitty. They all looked like they were made by MySpace teenagers. That's that. Yes. But even at the time it was like, even for 2001, it was terrible. Like there were other <laughs> websites that you could look at and go, well, that one's better. Like wh- <laughs> why can't it be more like that one? Uh, like I'm sure Weezer had a better website, but like, <laughs> but like Tenacious D, they were just not, not putting resources into it. And it was really hard to figure out even where and when they were going to perform. I, I live in Los Angeles, which is where Jack Black and Kyle Gass live. And they would play Largo a lot and they would, they would play the Viper Room or, uh, uh, the Roxy, you know, just different clubs and, and, but it was like you would think that there would just be a place you could go online and be you, like, okay, you think they're going to be here. If you have here. a website, there would be yes, one they, thing you put on there, <laughs> yes. and that's that like would a be list the main dates thing. And locations, yeah, but that did not exist, wow. and it, it infuriated me. And because I was so obsessed with them, I created a Tenacious D message board, and I called it a special thing. 
um, named after the song that they sing with in the fictional world of Tenacious D. Their their biggest fan is named Lee. Um, I do not recognize him as the real life uh, biggest <laughs> fan because that would be me. <laughs> and, you should have named that Matt. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, really I came along name. too late, but basically Lee uh, is a real guy who's, who tours with them and, and plays in a side project with Kyle Gass. Um, and, uh, and he's a great guy, but basically he was in the HBO series that, that Tenacious D made, which we can talk about later. But, uh, I, I, I made this message board so that we could, so that other fans could gather and share information like, Hey, they're going to be here this date or whatever. And then just talk about, them and 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 also like back then there was no youtube there was no it was a very early time for like sharing files and things on the internet or, or just sharing anything there that was i don't know if you guys were into this at all or remember this at all but before you could just put everything upload everything to the internet like it you basically had like people re would record bootlegs of concerts and then share them by like basically mailing blank yeah. cds to each other and then like you would you would say like, oh, I have that show. And so you would send a self-addressed stamped envelope with a blank CD in it and the person would burn it for you and mail it back. And so we were sort of getting that going with Tenacious D bootlegs. And um, so that that's one reason why I consider my, cause I, because I created that fan site, which became the sort of de facto like hub for Tenacious D on the internet, like to, to discuss them. But then the other thing is because that was prior to the release of their album, when the album came out, I transcribed all of the lyrics of all the songs on the first album and posted them on the message board. And then there's like the primitive lyrics websites that would just sort of comb the internet and steal things from somewhere else. They basically, they took the lyrics that I had transcribed from my website. And so if you search for the lyrics to like tribute uh on the internet i think you will probably be looking at my transcription of it oh but, uh, did you did yeah. you do like the old map makers where they would like put fake features in so if someone else copies it then you <laughs> oh, know i should have done that yeah you should have put some weird emojis in the middle of it just so <laughs> that you have. knew that that was a map uh, yeah. product i think you know what i it's it, it this is like I've, we're talking about 20 years ago so like i don't really remember but i know there are certain <laughs> songs that i think there's a lot of nonsense lyrics in Tenacious D as you know so there's a lot there's some stuff that's open to, to interpretation so I kind of felt like I'm sort of putting a flag in the sand on like what they're saying right here you know what I mean like in certain <laughs> songs it's like well I'm gonna say like and we we discussed it on the message board but I basically was like this is we this is what it's going to be I'm gonna put it in the transcript uh, you know in the whatever and then this website is not a democracy <laughs> no. <laughs> no I listen to the fee I listen to other people's you're a benevolent like, I, dictator he's That's a benevolent fine. king yeah. he's yes. a benevolent king it's right. okay it's but, all right yeah so I I think eventually uh I just started noticing I that's the thing I knew that I knew that they were using my transcriptions because I could see in certain songs like okay that, like I basically made a weird call on how to spell this nonsense word or whatever and it showed up the exact same way so I was like well there you go that's that's mine and but you know what I don't I wasn't mad about it I was like that's kind of a cool weird thing to have contributed to the internet you know what I mean? yeah so, so so refresh my memory at that time wasn't uh wasn't uh, like Napster and LimeWire, weren't those yeah. things? So we're, we're... they did those. those yeah, did but exist. it was super hard to find Tenacious D on Napster or LimeWire because I tried. Yeah. I went to like four different independent record stores in Chicago to get 
their album when it first came out in 2001. Wow. And Three of the four did not even have Tenacious D, so I couldn't even rip it and like put it out into Napster. Right, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't even I couldn't even break the law. It was you know it was mean? yeah, like in, and in, in terms of bootlegs, yes, there was some of that sharing happening on on like LimeWire and stuff, but it was a little too obscure to be reliable for you know like you could find any Dave Matthews bootleg you wanted at that point in time, but you probably weren't going to find a lot of Tenacious D just because there weren't enough people. It was just a small the, the 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 fan base was too small to to make it work that way. So so I I remember the first time that I I heard of Tenacious D was a friend of mine sent a link to uh, them performing the song Explosivo, mm-hmm. and I just didn't get it. It, it. That's kind of a weirder song. That's so interesting that you say that because I had the exact same experience with a different song. But the first time I ever saw Tenacious D or even heard the the name Tenacious D, uh, they somehow this is what's weird about Tenacious D. They were very obscure, but Jack Black was in movies even before they sort of had gotten going, really, or maybe they had just started. But uh, so he was sort of he had more fame and clout than a normal obscure music comedy guy would yep. so he they got to play on snl because matthew broderick was hosting it this was in like 1998 or something uh and so <laughs> so they they weren't they were not the musical guest but they got brought out as like an auxiliary musical guest really and they and they played double team and i remember remember matthew broderick introducing them and i remember watching it and being like i fucking hate this this is so bad like what is why is this happening and they were bombing like nobody was laughing nobody knew if it was supposed to be funny like i think people thought that it was like these guys are actually a band but like why are they talking what 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 are they singing about why do they seem so arrogant when they look so goofy and that guy doesn't look like a rock star yeah yeah so it was (laughs) all of them let's let's clarify neither of (laughs) these guys look like rock stars yeah especially then Jack yeah. Black even now doesn't look like a rock star, and I love him yeah. dearly. Like he, I, he, yeah, he, but he has charisma. You have, oh, to, yeah. you know, like they both have charisma. That's I love true. Them yeah, both, yeah, but. yeah. So, but, but, but also when he started getting into like real movie star mode, then I think he became a little more looking the part of the front man. But back then he was, yeah, he, they were both like five foot three. <laughs> Uh, you know, chubby weirdos who <laughs> like, uh, who who were just doing this weird thing, and and I think SNL just did them no favors because the context was not clear about what what this was going to be, and and I think I vaguely recognized Jack Black from like Cable Guy or Bob Roberts or something, <laughs> maybe Bob Roberts, yeah, like he was has a small part in Bob Roberts, but I remember just being like, oh, this guy is so needy and obnoxious, like he's just so <laughs> over the top. And like, it's just so funny because then like three years later, I was like literally spending eight hours a day, like (laughs) thinking thinking about them, writing online about them, listening to them. And so it it just, I mean, that's happened a few times in my life where my initial reaction to something was negative. And I think it was, it was just like, but I had a strong reaction. And I think sometimes when, when you have a strong reaction to something, it means there's something there and you're just like, you need to like either get on its wavelength or maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you'll never like it, but, uh, but in I this loved, case, yeah. I, I, just, I love Tenacious D from the moment that I saw them. So I did yeah. not have that. You have better issue. taste. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I have better taste. I don't know what that says about me. Well, what when, was the first time you heard them or saw them? I do. I don't remember the first time that I heard or saw them. I heard about them mm. and like I hunted down the CD. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, 
still in high school. I was like 17 years old when I hunted down the CD. And I was like, I must have it because yeah. I am the funny person at the school <laughs> and I will know all the things. Yeah. And so of course, like I had to draw like a quick line in the sand, like this is my band and mm. everybody who joins afterward <laughs> or like, you're all just following me. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of, I think it was one of those things where I'm like, I, right. I'm going to bring this to my high school to be, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, see that. So like, so you're younger, and so you had that sort of. They they were very sort of underground and and like not on anybody's real, like radar in the mainstream of anything. But um, but I was uh, twenty. I guess I was twenty five, uh, twenty six, uh, when I first discovered them. And yeah, I think it it was just it. If I had if someone had said, oh, there's this really funny comedy act where they they play acoustic guitars and sing these weird devil worshiping songs <laughs> let's go let you want to go see them at largo i probably would have gone and been like this is awesome but just to have them randomly appear on snl with no yeah. explanation i was just like what the fuck is going on right now why is this on my television yeah. i think it helped that i was a teenager because it's like very immature ridiculousness yes. that they yeah, do yeah, yeah. and so it like really plays strongly to teenagers it is you know incredibly what I mean? like, juvenile yeah it's I mean, that's... so juvenile and so wonderfully done in that juvenile yes. manner but i was i mean i'm still juvenile at the age of 46 so like <laughs> I, at, at 25 i certainly was like the prime candidate to like enjoy some juvenile humor I've i think it was a, just like i've got a doctorate above me and i'm still very juvenile <laughs> so we're, we're all good i mean that's i think that's an important part of comedy is just to yeah. be like embrace stupid stuff like stupidity is a very powerful uh comedic tool <laughs> and they are they are incredibly stupid like it, yeah. on purpose right right I, yeah i think that whenever they come up with an idea it's like how, but how can we make it more dumb yeah <laughs> yeah we can I mean, do that but like more dumb so the, the weird thing is because i was doing your show i i went i listened to a lot of their stuff this week and i hadn't really listened to them in like maybe 10 years or more wow. um and so it was it was weird to check back in with them and go wow i still love this like this is still great but one of the things I sort of realized is, and I think I thought a lot about this back then too, is that they're so, it's so stream of consciousness. And, and I think what's so cool about that kind of thing is if someone, if those two guys have a, they both have a good senses of humor. And I think when, when someone with a good sense of humor lets themselves just sort of ramble and they don't, there's no like edit, no self editing or, or self censorship. They're just kind of spitting whatever just weird stuff comes out and you kind of, you get this really like amazing glimpse into their thought process and their brain. And a lot of people would do that and it wouldn't be good at all and it wouldn't be funny. But I think when Jack Black just starts randomly, like, like starts babbling nonsense, it just is naturally funny to like his, his version of, of like free form lyrics is very, like the, I, the other thing I'd listened to yesterday or two days ago, they made like a 15 minute jazz EP. I don't know if you ever listened to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's just the band, you know, now they have like a full band and it's just the band like kind of vamping in a jazz milieu, I guess. <laughs> and it's, and then, and then, and then Jack Black just, just rambling nonsensically, but it's, it's the perfect parody of like self-important pretentious jazz bullshit but he's just, it's just you just you just kind of I don't you just have to listen to it because it's it's amazing how long he can keep that going without it being it's still like it's funny from beginning to end which is crazy. Okay, that the slight tangent. If if you heard of the uh, the H. John Benjamin album, the jazz album that he put out, where no. he 
he does not know how to play piano, but he hired a band <laughs> and he played piano and just played along with some real musicians <laughs> and it is insane you gotta check that out it's That's awesome it's very wow. strange yeah i have to find that That's cool. um the uh so so i didn't really get it when i heard explosivo but then i saw them yep. on uh killborn i think it was and they mm -hmm. did uh rock your socks off and i was mm -hmm. like i get it i get it i understand these guys now and i thought that that uh uh, performance was just insane and awesome. And it was like, oh, I got to get more and more of these guys. And it, I think yeah. my timing is right that I I went to LimeWire and I got a bunch of like, uh, you know, just bootlegs. And some people took snippets from the show and put it up there. And I would listen yeah. to that before uh, right. their first album came out. And I just was really into them. And just, uh, it was, it was very it was like, in, I was like you, I was like for, you know, just hours a day, I was just listening to it and thinking about them. And it's like, man, it's so great to see them. So how many times yeah. have you seen them live? Uh, I don't know the number, but there was, you know, a good stretch of two years where I like went to every single LA show. <laughs> a friend of mine and I drove to Las Vegas and back in one night to see them at the Hard Rock. Um, With Moldy Peaches? Maybe, yeah. I don't remember, but it was. Uh... <laughs> now you're just rubbing it in my face, Kurt. <laughs> we did an episode. Yeah, we did an episode on the Moldy Peaches, and I saw okay. the Hard Rock show with uh, Tenacious D and Moldy Peaches, and uh, and Jen has never got a chance to see either of those. If bands. it was around 2001, 2002, then uh, almost certainly yes. Um, I think that's probably one. It, it was after the album came out, and yeah. But okay, I'm sorry, Jen. I didn't mean to. It's okay. It's all right. It's <laughs> just you're rubbing salt into a wound, and you know that you are. Here's so a... it's just very impressive. <laughs> Here's a quick story about that. I don't know if it was the Kilborn performance you're talking about, but it, it might have been actually. Um, so on the message board, there was a guy, another big fan, who made. Um, he would make custom Tenacious D hockey jerseys. What? Yeah, <laughs> and. He, and why don't he, I own one? I don't yeah. understand. He he and so he made one for me and sent it to me, and then he also made them for Jack and Kyle, and and then so then I went along with a couple other friends who are fans. We went to the Kilborn taping, and Kyle was wearing his, but Jack wasn't. Oh, that's so, rude. But at least you were twins with Kyle. <laughs> well, well, hold on, hold on. Oh. So then they played a song, and then they went to a commercial break, or maybe they just talked to. Craig and went to I forget what happened but there was they were out there and then they went to break and in the break I that's a Kilborn was an insanely small soundstage like the 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 audience was less than 100 people you were like right you were right there and it was a really like uh intimate so in the break I stood up and I was like Jack and he looks up and I was like I just pointed to my shirt and he was like yeah and I pulled it off and I was like do you want it and he was like yeah and so he grabbed it and then he put it on and so if you watch that you can watch the performance on youtube i think they play i think it might have been rock your socks off but i don't remember that whatever the second thing they did then the, he they came back from break and now they both have the jerseys on <laughs> and did he's you wearing get it back with the jack back black sweat on it here, here's the thing he <laughs> oh no gave, he gave he gave me a bunch of picks like he he was like pulled a bunch of the picks off of his mic stand and gave them to me but he did not give me the <laughs> <back>. <laughs> like I think after the performance they kind of just went backstage and that was it. Jack Black, 
I'm so disappointed in you. But because everyone on the message board was watching, they were like, oh, my God, you're a legend. Like you, you gave him your shirt. And and so the guy who made them made me another one and sent oh. me like a replacement. Which is incredible. Like, it was, like, so awesome. so sweet. Uh, But, yeah, that was, like, that was the point at which it was, like, that was the peak. I don't know if I ever got more, like, uh, there were a few weird things that happened in the, in the sort of span of time when I was running that message board that were, that were very cool experiences. But in terms of interacting with the band, that was kind of, like, you can't beat that. Like you, I basically, I felt like I was like, I was part of it. I contributed to the performance. Like I'm you part of the lore. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my God. Yeah. So amazing. So, so how did a, a special thing turn from a, a tenacious D message board into the, the comedy message board? Yeah. That's a good question. And then eventually it turned into a record label. Yeah. Which which it still is. Um, yeah. So what happened was, uh, I started it in 2001 and then it was we it was very active for a year or two and but what but when Jack Black started doing more movies Tenacious D sort of when I on an unofficial hiatus sort of like they weren't really doing much they weren't touring anymore and they weren't making new music and so but the community on the message board had really flourished and so and it also we had like different um I don't know if you remember message boards, how they work, but there were different rooms, you know, this is for talking about Tenacious D. This is just for talking about the lyrics. This is just for talking about live shows and whatever. And then there was a whole separate section that was like non-Tenacious D discussion. And one of the subcategories of that non-Tenacious D section was (laughs) called, it was called Mr. Show and Other Comedy because, uh, you know, Tenacious D, a lot of people like myself included, I think, I was a huge Mr. Show fan and there was this connection between Tenacious D and Mr. Show because Bob and David and produced Scott, it. yeah, they produced the, the Tenacious show. D HBO series uh, along with uh, other uh, Mr. Show people like Scott Ackerman and BJ Porter. And so um, it was like almost like a, a spinoff TV series because it was basically the same directors and, and writers and crew and it, it had the same feel. It was just a Tenacious D series instead of a sketch show. So we sort of framed it like if you want to talk about non-Tenacious D comedy, let's Mr. Show is going to be the big topic. So that kind of started to b- grow as Tenacious D sort of receded in, uh, in activity, I guess. Um, and at, to, to the point that that became sort of the main forum on the message board, just people talking about comedy in general. And and what I was starting to go to live stand-up shows uh, in LA uh, because there were no Tenacious D shows to go to. <laughs> so yeah, I free just started time, go- so. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, I got, I like going to live comedy. And I sort of, I felt like I had discovered this cool thing that, uh, like, before that, I had gone to like the Laugh Factory and the Improv and other comedy clubs in LA, but I, I didn't really feel like when, when I started going to. Um, the, a show called Comedy Death Ray at, at a place called M Bar, which started in 2002, I believe. Um, and it was started by Scott Ackerman and BJ Porter, who obviously had this connection to Tenacious D, but also to Mr. Show. I was like, oh, this feels like a cool little subculture, like a little community of people who all are friends with each other. And they're kind of outside the mainstream and they're uh, they're all really funny. And they a lot of them were on Mr. Show. And so I was like, this is my this is my home base now. And so I was going to that show every week and I was writing recaps about um, 
about the shows that I was going to for the fans on the message board who hadn't who weren't in LA and didn't couldn't like couldn't go to the shows. And so I I sort of became notorious in the LA comedy scene as this weird anonymous <laughs> message board guy. Sasquatch. Uh, Sasquatch, <laughs> yeah. So my 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 online my handle, um, my screen name on the on the message board was in search of Sasquatch. So people just called me Sasquatch. And so the the comedians started coming to the message board and reading my recaps about their <laughs> shows. And some of them were just like, oh, this is so cool. This guy's really into it. And some of them, like a guy named Jimmy Pardo, was very angry about it and didn't <laughs> like it at all. Uh, and so uh, it was, it, it just, it caused a sort of a, a, a like a minor kerfluffle in the scene that there was this who is this Sasquatch where is he what does he look like because people would be doing shows and like people like Andy like people like Andy Kindler would be like is Sasquatch here tonight where's Sasquatch you know, like, uh, like on stage and so um so eventually I sort of said like I introduced myself to Doug Benson and Scott Ackerman and I eventually met Jimmy and and uh, Chris Hardwick and Andy Kindler and I'm all these different people. I'm glad that Jimmy forgave you. <laughs> he did. Like, from he, his original he, anger. I think, I think when he, like, he says this a lot about other people, too. Like, I think once he put a face to a screen name, he was like, oh, I can't hate you anymore because you're, you're, you're an a, actual human. You're, you're an actual person. You're not just a troll that lives yeah. under a bridge. <laughs> it's more right. fun with to, internet access. It's more fun to hate yeah. people that you just know their name. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, and he was, he, and he, I was always a huge fan of his, like, I never said, I don't think I ever said one negative thing about him, but in, in any case, he didn't like that this, who, who was this guy? This guy's not even in comedy. Like why, why does he get to say what's good and what's <laughs> bad? Um, but which all the, by the way, it was like 99% positive. I, I feel like I was, I was very rarely negative. And, who, but and th you would that, never have known that a short 15 years later, you're on the comedy <laughs> bang, bang television show. Yes. Yeah. So, so that, yeah. So comedy death ray became comedy bang, bang after it morphed from a weekly live show to then a radio show on a station in LA called, um, Indy 101. I forget what it was yeah, called. Yeah. I think Indy anyway, 101. Yeah, and then it became a podcast, uh, and then they changed the name for legal reasons. I, I think I can't remember why, but um, to, to Comedy Bang Bang, and then the, then the podcast became a TV show. And because Jimmy and I are friends with Scott, he put us on the TV show with like a funny little like cameo thing. Yeah, but the um, tiny talk yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get to play like Tiny Ed McMahon basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is super fun. But yeah, it was crazy because that, think about like when I, I remember the day I went to do that, I was like, and that shot in it wasn't this. I don't think it was the same um, uh, place. It wasn't on the same lot that Mr. Show shot on, but it was in the same neighborhood. They were Mr. Show shot in a few different places over the. Uh, the four seasons they did it but but they were it was like right I felt like I was like walking into that same kind of world and I was like wow I went from like being this guy who would like you know try to get tickets to go see a Mr. Show taping to like you know now I'm like on this thing it's so cool like it was it was basically like oh, I've, I've done it I've achieved exactly <laughs> what I always dreamed of is like I got I got here I got to the other side um, but yeah I mean by that point we had been doing Never Not Funny for years and it, I felt like I had sort of created some sort of a space for myself within that weird community so but it was yeah so that what the the, the, the very, that was a very long version of the story of basically the message board became a comedy message board just a general alternative comedy mes message board and um and then i started doing interviews for them for the message board um with comedians and that morphed into a podcast called ast radio 
NAST radio was the thing when, when I, Jimmy was one of the guests on that. And after that, I mean, we had, I had been going to his live um, talk show at the UCB and I thought it was great. And I was like, Hey, why don't I record that show? And it could just be a monthly podcast so that people can listen to it anywhere. And so he was like, well, let's talk about it. And then after we did AST radio, he was like, why don't we get that? We, I, I went to his house and recorded it at his dining room table. And he was like, why don't we just, that was so much fun. Why don't we do that instead of recording my live thing, which is really just more of a live show. It doesn't really belong. He, he felt like it wasn't going to cut, you know, translate to audio recording. So he was like, yeah, let's just, let's just record it at my dining room table and do a podcast that way. And, and that's how Never Not Funny started. That's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. 15 years ago. All right. Well, why don't we take a little break, and then on and the second half of the show, we'll talk about some of our favorite Tenacious D songs. How does that sound? Sounds awesome. great. All right. Take a quick break and be right back. All right. We are back, and we are here. We're going to talk about some specific Tenacious D songs. And what? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to start off just because... I started talking first about it, and one of the one of the songs, one of those downloaded uh, bootlegs that I absolutely love was uh, they did the theme to Star Trek, which <laughs> I absolutely uh, I thought was just brilliant. I'm going to play a little bit of that. Gene Roddenberry, the creator of the show, he wrote lyrics you didn't know. Well, here they are. I think I can remember. Starlight. Woo! My love is wandering in starlight. I know he'll find in star clustered reaches. So that is the funny shit that I really love. Just like adding lyrics yeah. to a song that doesn't already have lyrics and, you know, just, and, and one thing, one of the things that just makes everything work is that they're both really good. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, Kyle is an incredible guitarist. It's crazy what he can do with an acoustic guitar, but Jack is, is, is good too. Like he, I remember, I think early on he was very like basic in his playing, but he definitely got better and and he's an incredible vocalist too like he's he's really a good singer and i think he developed that skill too but also i think he he what he said in that recording is true gene roddenberry did write the, that's not a joke those are real lyrics that gene roddenberry wrote those are real uh, lyrics those are yeah. i had no idea yes that's a true story and it's just it's crazy how like that's one of the things i love about tenacious d is like they can like recontextualize something that isn't meant to be funny and it sort of becomes funny. Like they, they would do that. They did a lot of uh, great covers when, before they had an album and even after they, they would still do some of them, but they would cover the Beatles and the who, and uh, they did a whole, they had a whole thing with spider, the Spider-Man theme song. Oh, is he strong? Listen, bud. He got the radio Oh, 
dark coming at him. He's got fucking Ultimate Fighter Championship moves. Here comes Spidey. He's not fucking really Spidey. His moves didn't work because he's fucking Spidey. Uh, that they would, it, it involved, again, the guy who played Lee on the HBO series would come out in a Spider-Man costume and fight them on stage, like during their concert. Uh, <laughs> that was just like ridiculous stuff. That was another it, one of it, the, uh, the, uh, bootlegs that I downloaded. Bootleg. I love that Spider-Man yeah. and, and fat Albert yeah, theme yeah, yeah. was another one that he did. Yep. I mean, they would, I feel like they played like non, like sometimes it was like, like the stuff they would play, like they played the end of Abbey Road. I think they played the entire, like, you know, that medley at the end of Abbey Road, they would just play the whole thing. And it was just kind of like, I, I was thinking about them in terms of like, I think people maybe perceive them to be like, oh, they're sort of making fun of, um, of like seventies, like arena rock or or heavy metal type bands because they talk about like worshiping satan and stuff but i think they genuinely love that stuff and the like the, the affection for the music comes through and it's almost like the, the fact that it's funny is almost like a byproduct of them being so such unlikely vessels for that kind of music <laughs> so like they, they don't they don't think they really worried about being funny on that level they were just like the funny will take care of itself. We just want to play the Beatles, basically. Yeah. You know? Like we want to be the Beatles, and they'd be like, oh, they're they're like overly uh, genuine in their appreciation yes. for it. Yeah, and the way the way that he hits the word Star Trek in that his Star yeah. Trek will go on, it made me think that it was a joke. But that I know it sounds like a joke. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is a ridiculous that that song has lyrics that Gene Roddenberry himself wrote. Uh, but yeah, it, he just has great comic instincts i think you know he just like knows he's i think he's just naturally funny and 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 knows i think a lot of it comes from like they performed at comedy venues you know they they came up because like you were talking about at the beginning of the show like oh we don't like your your podcast you don't really do comedy bands i think they've kind of graduated to being a real band now oh like, they're for sure a real band now yeah like they play real music festivals in south america and shit and like it's crazy uh like people still think they're funny but i think it's like they have incredible uh musicians who who back them up now and and they they play a lot of great stuff they write a lot of great stuff but because they came up in the comedy scene in la i think they're the sort of they were always going for the laugh like they had to be funny because if they just you know if they got on stage after david cross at uh, pedro's or whatever um or largo they would just people would be like, why is this happening in the middle of a comedy show if it's not funny? But so like, and and again, I don't think I was 100% wrong about Jack Black being like a needy comedian. Like he definitely has that part of his personality. So like that's where it comes out, but he's just very good. He's talented enough to like get away with it. So in fairness, there are a lot of needy comedians. I, I mean, it's almost redundant to say, right? Like you could yeah. just say comedians. You would like, just say comedian. I mean, that's yeah. why we're up there with a the microphone. So like Yes. I don't yeah. know. We're all guilty of it. Yeah. And that's why we we none of us would be in, in this Zencaster call. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Listen to me.
well, that reminded me of a song that I was going to play a little bit later. Um, I'm going to do the time warp that they did for the for the election in 2020. Um, I thought it was such a fun take on the time, like on the actual time warp. I'm a huge Rocky Horror Picture Show fan. Um, Richard O'Brien okay, does. Hold on one second, Jen. We, Matt, no. you can't just skip over no. the fact that you're a big Rocky Horror Picture fan. We. I had Jen had outdoor movies at her house uh, during the pandemic, which was awesome. And she, mm-hmm. t- we, I, I probably went there for five movies. Twice it was Rocky Horror. <laughs> one time, <laughs> one time it was watching it, and the it's second a, time it's a classic. It's a classic. The second time she was doing a shadow cast all by herself. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic wouldn't allow me for a complete shadow cast. Okay. That's so I bad. had to play all of the parts. It's I, just what it was. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. And, we and had little buckets on each table with all of the props you would need. And then I would explain, like I, we did the quick, like I did the Ted talk for you guys. So that, cause <laughs> these guys didn't know how to do the midnight movie. So we oh, had to boy. fix that. I was a virgin okay. the first time through. Second time, I dressed yeah. up as Brad, and uh, you know, which is the worst. I mean, that's even... the way. Honestly, you should you should do that as a class and like sell. You know, you should like start your own Rocky Horror School because no one wants to go to an actual theater and be embarrassed no. by the fact that they don't know how to do it. So you could basically coach them up to be ready to go to a real midnight screening. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. I'd be happy to do it. It would be such a, I enjoyed it so much. When do I throw toast? <laughs> that's on that's on the final. You have to know. Yeah, it's on the final. There's going to be a there's going to be a written, it's going to be multiple choice. There will be essay questions at the end. Yep. So, be prepared to explain why Richard O'Brien is wearing that ridiculous outfit at the end. Okay. Good times. Um, but I thought that their take on the time warp was hilarious. And yes. so I'm going to play a little bit of that. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control. You're, you're not playing so the, the part where Kyle sings Little Nell's part? <laughs> oh, I should have. I should have. Because that's who I dressed up as the last time. So, What's great about that, it, it it was so fitting because I think one one of the things that really comes through with almost everything Tenacious D does is that at heart, they are theater geeks. You know, they, they Jack and Kyle met at the Actors Gang in L.A., which is uh, Tim Robbins' uh, theater uh, company. And uh yeah they're like hardcore like clearly all through school they were the the theater geeks who uh did all the musicals and and so to me rocky horror is just is such a key part of that when i was growing up all the theater geeks just loved rocky horror it was like that that went hand in hand and and so uh, can i ask were you a theater geek in high school I was a closet theater geek. Um, I didn't. I did not embrace the oh, Rocky Horror uh, as much, but I did. I, I loved doing plays and musicals. Uh, I, I. I kind of. I loved it too much, and kind of had to. Like I. I. I would get. I don't know if you guys have this experience ever, but or had it as kids. But like when you do a show. And when it ends, you just like sink into like a, a deep melancholy because it's over. And it's like the f- the f- 
friends you made and the the bonds that were formed. It's like, is it going to last? And so I, I kind of actually stopped doing it because it was like too hard for me to go through that withdrawal. Uh, but that was in like middle school. And then like in high school, I did do like one, I think one or two shows. But I, I was also like, I really was into soccer and I was really into, I loved making movies um, and writing. And so I, I, I think I was like a little too embarrassed to be like a full on theater geek. Like I, didn't, I was not, an, I wasn't not the unabashed flavor. <laughs> of That's okay. Guy. Kurt was also not a theater geek. I was a huge theater geek and took everyone to see Rocky Horror Picture Show downtown. Yeah. And so much so that when I went the first time, they didn't think that I was a virgin because I already had my card. I already had like all my props. I was in full attire. <laughs> my, my eyebrows were blocked. I was dressed up as Columbia. <laughs> it's not a choice that you make if you're a, a little bit into something. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, I admire that. I think, you know, there's, there's, there's something, there's like a and a, there's like a reckless abandon to people who just like throw themselves into the world of performing that way. And I was just, I was always too self-conscious as a kid to really like to, to give myself over to that completely. And just ditto a lot of what Matt said. And the same is true. For me. That was... <laughs> we're just going to, we're just going to gloss over all of Kurt. Well, That's what's going to yeah. happen. Well, I was in one, one play in high school. I was a very small part in a uh, uh, streetcar named desire. And then I played bass in a band from like, uh, sophomore year basically until just a few years ago so it was like wow. yeah not not up front not the not the lead guy yeah. not the lead guitarist or yeah. lead singer but the bass player and that, I think that mm-hmm. that sums me up pretty well I was a shitty bass player <laughs> and always the lead so singer but not lead bass yeah. okay no, well, not, I also, I also my bass was it. so crappy I forgot to mention I suck at singing so that was part of it too like when I was I kind of got like a little dragged back into doing theater in high school and it was um it was we were doing west side story and, and i like basically i was i think i was taking a theater class and so the, the the teacher who was also the director was like you're gonna do this uh we need someone to play the the guy who runs the the gym where they have the school dance and in west side story i don't know if you remember that part it's basically the one non-singing <laughs> role, role in west side story and they're like you can do that and it's sort of funny it's like a little bit of a comic relief part and so i was like okay I, i'll that's not a big deal i can do that so matt hit us with a song um i feel like we have to go just in case uh, by like some freak occurrence there's anybody listening who uh, doesn't know Tenacious D already or isn't like familiar. I mean, obviously they've heard a lot in this podcast so far, but to me, there's like, there's like two songs that you would just go, here's all you need. This is like the, the Tenacious D starter pack would be, <laughs> is the, is, is the song history or used to be called the history of Tenacious D. I think they now just call it history. And then the other one, which I'm actually going to play is tribute, um, which I have a, um, I have a, a bootleg live recording of because <gasps> I will say like I I and I guess I'll have to I'll send this to you Kurt so you can you know make it sound nice but um, <laughs> but I think um, I felt as a, as a t- I feel like this is this is snobby and also is you know maybe I could be accused of going negative here a little bit but I always as a tenacious D purist I always felt like when they added drums and bass and electric guitar and, and filled out the band they kind of lost a little something mm-hmm. in comedically because to me, the essence of the whole thing is that it's just two dudes with acoustic guitars and it's ridiculous. You know I mean? It's just like, and, and, and also like it's ridiculous, but it's also kind of amazing how much they can do. And like 
basically the world they're able to create with just singing and guitar. And so when you fill it out, I feel like it loses the humor of that because now it sounds like, I mean, they literally had Dave Grohl playing drums on their debut album. So when you have like professional, great sounding Satan uh, himself. musicians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that I, but it's like, but now it's real music. Now it's not comedy anymore. It like changes the context of it a little bit for me. And so I, I'm going to play this. This has a long lead up, but I'll, I'll just try to like skip over to the. Excellent. Excellent work on the lights. This Nothing is from. Happened. I think this is from the Roseland Ballroom, by the way. Well, me and Kyle. We looked at each other. We ain't saying. Okay. And we played the first thing that came to our heads. Just so happened to be the best song in the world. It was the best song in the world. Oh, yeah. And it saved our butts. Now, this is what I like about this live recording. They used to just play this Stairway to Heaven part of the song that when they went to do the album, they were not legally allowed to do yeah. that. So they had to rewrite the middle of the song. But if you listen to this, it's just it's just Stairway to Heaven with their lyrics on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Which is hilarious to me. Yeah. And I, I love this song, the fact that this isn't the best song in the world. This is just a tribute right. to that no, it's, it's just the tribute. <laughs> right. They can't remember it. They were under a lot of stress. The devil was coming for their soul. Yeah. <laughs> so how, that, how are they supposed to remember? How are they it, supposed to remember, guys? It's uh, like the, the, to me, there's like two two types of Tenacious D song. They're they're the songs that are just crazy songs that they came up with, and they may they may happen to be funny, or or they're funny because of the meta joke of that these guys playing it in the first place. But then there's the, the songs that actually have like a comic premise beneath in, inside them and that's this is like one of the best examples of that where it the, the the there's this great this is a great joke that they're like the the devil literally said to us play the best song in the world or i'll or i'll eat your soul and they're like we just played whatever came to our heads and it, it just it accidentally t- became the best <laughs> song in the world that's how awesome we are at playing music and then the the second joke is we couldn't even remember how it went afterwards. <laughs> so this song that you're hearing is not the song we played. This is just the tribute to that song because we we had to tell the story of it, but we don't remember the actual best. And which is also great because it creates this whole mythology of like, well, what was it? And like, it's just so cool because you're like, it's it's like the it's like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. You're like, I, you don't get to see what's inside of it. You just get to imagine how crazy it was. Right, and right. That's so that's so exciting and and so much more satisfying and cool than like if they had just played what it was. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I don't think our mortal brains could have handled the best song in the right. world. Is what I really think that that is. Like. I agree. We I, could it, we couldn't handle it. If it was powerful enough to defeat Beelzebub, obviously <laughs> mortals could not listen to it without. We're not dying. ready for that jelly. That's all. I'm our, our heads would explode, obviously. <laughs> so I do have a more mundane question, and since you transcribed these lyrics, yeah. what type of tail does the devil have? Yeah, that's that's a great question. <laughs> I think it's a I think it's a swampy tail, like, so, like S an S C H W A M P Y. I think that's that's what I, I think that's what I went with. Whip crack um, with a swampy tail. Yeah, it's not a real word. It's it's somewhere between swampy and I don't know I what mean, the other something. It some other swampy words. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it feel it feels right. It yeah. feels right. It feels yeah. like that's what they're saying. Also, do they say the same thing every time? I don't know. Do they? Right, that's a Matt good question. Would know. 
I think if you listen, certain things maybe have a little variance between performances, but they got pretty locked in on like things like that. Like I okay. feel like you'd be like I was. I remember being a little bit surprised at things that were clearly at one point ad libs <laughs> sort of got locked in to the way they were uh, over time. And like in Explosivo, Explosivo is a great example of a nonsense song of theirs where it's just it's just stream of consciousness craziness um but you know <laughs> it's just, it literally goes actually maybe i'll play it because i do love explosivo it's not it's not one of the funnier songs although it is funny in that it's crazy but it's not trying to be funny it's just weird but uh yeah but it's just you know it's just uh uh <laughs> what's the name of the song explosivo don't know what it's about but it's good to go what's the name of my girlfriend i don't know but she's built like the shit and she's good to go <laughs> like it's just it, that's just clearly no one would sit down and write that. That's right. no. just like something that you spit out on stage when you're trying to come up with a funny. <laughs> I am a, a little bit in disagreement with you about uh, the what happened when they got the band together, and I think in Let's get into in it. some ways it adds to what they're doing. And mm-hmm. the uh, it, and and the song, even though I love the the two person version of "Rock Your Socks Off," I love the fact that they yeah. have this really rocking version of the song you know that has it still has like the you know the sweet guitar picking from uh yes. from kyle but it uh it still rocks and i'm gonna play a little bit of rock your do it yeah there's no such thing as a rock prodigy because rock and roll is bogus right kg right only thing that really matters is the classical sauce and that's why me and kg are classically trained to rock your fucking socks off give the taste kg Okay. That is Bach and it rocks. It's a rock block of Bach that he learned in the school called the School of Hard Knocks. Get out of Get out of me! I mean, now have you heard that though, with just the two of them playing it? Like, have you heard it? Oh yeah, that's in that version. That's the well, that's the version that I heard like, from Kilborn. That was like that. Yeah. On Kilborn, yeah, they they still play even after the album came out. They still played a lot of stuff just with the two of them, and and it, yeah, look, that's I love the album by the way. Like it sounds great. It's everything sounds amazing. It was produced by the Dust Brothers, who produced my all time favorite album, uh, Paul's Boutique by the DC Boys, and um, which by the way, we 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 I was going to mention this before. Initially, I was like thought, oh yeah, I'll do the Beastie Boys for Kurt and Jen. That's like my favorite band, and uh, they're funny. And then, of course, you guys had already done them because why wouldn't you immediately do the BC? Yeah, episode number six. I think that was one of Kurt's initial picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So yeah, I mean, Paul's Boutique is genius. These guys, the Dust Brothers, are are geniuses. It sounds amazing to me. Is and I'll I'll let you. I'm gonna let you finish. (laughs) (laughs) I think. Why? Thank you, Kanye. Thank you. I think you talked about that on the Beastie Boys episode of your show. But um, but yeah, I think. It, the same thing when I first heard the album, the same thing happened to me that happened when I saw them on SNL, which is like, if it sounds like a real rock album, I don't know if the if the the humor of the lyrics works as well, because it and it wasn't for me because I knew what they were doing. But I was suddenly um, I was suddenly like worried about them. I was worried on their behalf that people were going to be like what is this? Like, why does it sound like a real rock band? But this guy's like just babbling about nonsense or talking about sucking on toes. Like it's so weird. Like, uh, 
so I, I like I, I this I was like very protective of them, but I but deep down I think it's just because I was I listened to their songs one way for a full year and it was, was like that's how it's supposed to be, and so maybe my brain just couldn't handle the change. Uh, I got it. I yeah. I change is hard. <laughs> change is hard. It's like when Thank you, so like when Dylan went electric, right? <laughs> I, it, it you know it very much is the same. I'm sure that the people who couldn't handle that uh, were probably felt the way I felt. But I was I still was like, look, I still love them, and and I still went to see them, and it was fun to see them live with a band uh, when they started touring with a band too. Like that was a cool experience, just because it was different. Yeah, and it and it it helped them graduate to another level which they were never going to do just doing like the two man acoustic yeah. thing and when i when i was going to see them in in vegas i had no idea whether it was going to be just the two of them or whether it's going to be a full band it was after the album was released and i mm. was like you know what i don't know which one i prefer i think you know like never having seen them i was like i don't know which yeah. one i would prefer to see and it was just the two of them and it was fantastic yeah it's a really fun show either way i mean to me it's it's feels more like a comedy show when it's just the two of them and it feels more like a rock show when it's the full band but that's okay they're both both versions have valid you know positive i things. feel like we could drop in they might be giants along with this whole like <laughs> argument yeah. that's happening here mm-hmm. uh because it's like the same thing and it's change is hard watch doctor who and learn that you you're gonna love the new guy too right. so, yeah. you're gonna love the new guy too kurt i don't yeah. know just saying so matt i know that uh, Jimmy forbids talk of they might be giants on the never not funny. So <laughs> yeah. we, we, I, I've got to ask, how do you feel about they might be giants? You know, I, I've enjoyed what I've heard, but I have to admit, I've never, I never did the deep dive. I never like went all in on them. And um, I think it was one of those things where by the time they got to the level that I was aware of them, I felt like I'd already missed the boat. Like I felt like I was already out of, the loop on on what they were doing i'm sure i would love like especially if i could go back in time and listen to them when i was 20 i'm sure they would have been one of my favorites just because i think they have a good sense of humor and i think they're you know they, i like the, the music they write so okay it just just it just missed me unfortunately oh, okay it's fair all right ships in the night it happens <laughs> so yeah i'm like that's the thing i'm not like a super big music guy like you know like jimmy is a very much like i listen to lots of stuff and he's obsessed with it and like I was always more of a movie guy. I like I love going to the movies and I, I just with music I just latch onto a very select few things and then just listen to them. Like when I was uh in seventh grade, I listened to only license to ill for a full year straight. Like it, was, it was the only tape that in my tape deck. It did not come out of the tape deck. The tape were deck you, actually <laughs> were you torturing your parents? Is that what was happening? I mean probably you were a just little bit. Totally yeah. just like Oh man, just yeah. going full in on did that. Did your mom? Well, I did because did your mom bust yeah, in mom, and ask what what's that noise? <laughs> my mom busted in and, and so, said, "Don't listen to that." Because what I what what used to happen is, and this is like burned burned into my brain. Uh, we would be driving in her car, and I would have the tape. I guess the tape did come out of my tape deck because I had to go into her oh, car. Oh yeah, because you would have put it in whatever tape deck yeah, was closest I had to, take to it, you. Take obviously, it with me. yeah, yeah. But um, so technically, it came out, but went right back in. And then, um, but whenever Paul Revere came on. She insisted on turning the volume down on the wiffle ball bat part because she <laughs> felt that that was inappropriate for, and it is, it's a terrible, <laughs> the sentiment behind it is terrible. Uh, thank God I didn't take it literally or, or model my life after that one song that's clearly a crazy, you know, story song. It takes place in a fictional world where they're 
high plains gangsters or whatever. I don't know what they are. <laughs> With wiffle ball bats for some reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we are coming down to the end of the podcast, and we like to play what we think are the funniest songs by uh, by the artist. So, Matt, would you like to play your funniest song from Tenacious D? Yeah, um, I know it's a I'm hard still, choice. Like I told you guys before. Yeah, it's I, a hard choice. I mean, you could just spin a wheel, and every every choice that you make is accurate. I'm gonna call an audible because we were talking about this before. Um, I was gonna play uh, "Fuck Her Gently," which I think, like, from a pure comedy perspective, is is a it's a it's a funny joke, regardless of whether the song is good or not or works or not. But it's like it's a great song too. But it's just such a funny idea. Again, it ties into their juvenile sense of like being rock stars who who are like trying to be set, like how how Poison and Motley Crue had they all all those stupid hair bands had one ballad, and so it was like <laughs> this was Tenacious D's version of Home Sweet Home, or you know, or or like Every Rose Has Its Thorn, oh, but like so like when they like their version of that is like to be like, hey, you don't always have to fuck women hard. Sometimes you can fuck them gently, <laughs> and then the whole song is just talking about how to be a sensitive lover and then at the end they're just like and then i'm gonna fuck you hard like that's like like they can't even stick to it for two minutes they have to like go back so that to me is very funny and i will say the first time i heard that song this was this is very special to me actually uh the first time i heard that i'm I'm so glad that that fuck her gently is so special it is very special to to your wife as well uh, maybe she 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 was there um um no, well, I know it sounds bad. It has nothing to do with the content of the song, but uh, we, my wife and I uh, used to live uh, like a two blocks off the Sunset Strip, and um, they were playing, at, I think, at the Roxy, and we walked up the hill to see them, and this was, I don't remember, it was like early 2001 probably, and um, they played Fucker Gently, and it was the first time I had ever heard it because it wasn't like, it wasn't one of the songs that had been on the HBO series and they had, I think they had just written it and then it did end up on the first album. But like, so we got to the show and, and like, because for whatever reason, we ended up being like right up at the front. And like, I think my wife actually was sitting on the edge of the stage. Um, that's how close we were. <laughs> uh, like, and, and also cause she didn't want to stand the whole time. So she was like, I want to sit down. So she, we're like, Oh, you can sit on the stage. So, like imagine the first time you heard that song that Jack Black and Kyle Gass are seven feet away from you. Like that's how I experienced it for the first time. And I was just like, holy shit, this is so brilliant. I cannot believe how funny it was. Was he looking right at you? Did you get a photo of your wife like on the stage (laughs) while you were six feet away? Cause that would have, and then just with the caption, fuck her gently. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, it's a good, this entire picture is perfect. It's a good thing that they, they didn't do act outs in their (laughs) stage show because she would have become a prop in that song. And that might not have ended well. Well, for me as a as a husband, but no, that was literally before camera phones existed. So oh, uh, I did I do not have a picture of it, but it is a cherished memory. <laughs> <Good> memory <laughs> got a photo right up there. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know what? I, that, so like, I do think that's a very funny song. But I I have to I think to me the song that brings everything I love about Tenacious D together in one thing is City Hall <laughs> because oh. City Hall is like. I'm going to play it, but just, just think about like how every seventies rock band had to have this big pretentious, like think piece of like a, you know, like for, for the who it was like, 
you know, Tommy or whatever, or like Pink Floyd have the wall. This is basically Tenacious D's The Wall. They're just like, we're going to say something about society. But obviously, the joke is they have nothing to say. Right. Like, there's no there's no substance to it. It's just a dumb song that they haven't even really fully thought out. But then it also has all this funny, like, within it, it has the funny banter of them, the, you know, just being funny, like they would usually do in between songs in their live show so it's and it's also a great song so it like brings together their their great musicianship their sense of like just kind of like their innate sense of why like pompous overblown um rock music is sort of funny and um and yeah and and it's just it's just fun it's fun to listen to i like i could listen to it even if it were instrumental i would listen to it because it sounds great but here's here and i'm gonna play the album for kurt i'm gonna play the album okay because it does have a lot of great stuff in it (laughs) This is a song for the people in the streets at the People City Hall. All you motherfuckers in the streets, it's time to rise up. Come along, children, and fucking rise. Lots of times when me and KG are watching all the fucking shit that goes down in City Hall. Yeah, we should fucking start a riot. A riot. Everyone needs to go listen to the whole thing because it has movements to it. There's like, you know, it goes into they overthrow the government, they install themselves as dual kings, and like and, and I, uh, it's amazing. And the music I love like when they're talking about uh no more, you know, pollution. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna you know develop tube technology and then Kyle yeah, in yeah. the background. Tube technology. Technology. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so great. Yeah, they, they have all these like half-assed ideas about how to improve the city or the world, I guess. And it's just like it's just the it's just the dumbest shit. It's just it's a great example of of stupidity being funny. <laughs> and um but also listen to that, like that's where you really hear that is basically it, like maybe the closest we ever came to hearing a new Nirvana song when it goes into the blicka 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 like that is that's, <laughs> like you can hear that that is Dave Grohl and that is that that guitar riff and that drum is like holy shit this is like I feel like I'm I'm experiencing Nirvana a, as a comedy act and that's fucking awesome like that how, what is better than that that's so cool. oh that's tremendous Nirvana as a comedy act is the best idea <laughs> imagine ever <laughs> just just to let yourself imagine. <sighs> All right, Jen, what do you have for your funniest song? My funniest song is the joke that goes on on every every single song that they do, which is that Cage is going to mess it up. And so they just made a song where it's Don't Blow It, Cage. (laughs) And I happen to own the LP that I got from Third Man Records. And it's just so funny that I, I mean, it is one of the only songs my kids will let me play it on the record player without stopping it. (laughs) So I'm going to play that for us right now. Don't blow it cage. Don't blow it cage. Just play the best shit you've ever fucking played. Don't blow it cage. Don't blow it cage. Just play the best shit you've ever fucking played. All right. Jack White invited us to party. He wanted us to kick out the jams. Red light, it's time for us to party. I'm hoping we can kick out the jams. Don't blow it, Cage. Don't blow it, Cage. I just, I love it. Because it's Incredible. just saying the exact joke that happens 
yeah. in every <laughs> single song. And I don't know, did you did you watch the whole build up to that? Because like Jack Black has a YouTube channel, which is incredible in and of itself. Like it's <laughs> it, it, it's bare, it's not really about Tenacious D. It's just it's mostly him playing with his kids, and it's great and charming. And uh, but they went to Memphis, and they went to Jack White's house, and they were like, they literally, you know, Jack White has one of those old style recording things where you play and it records it onto, onto a record vinyl. in yeah. real time uh like from the friggin 20s or whatever <laughs> <laughs> like and that's what they were doing and and like so he made a video of like when they went and they were understandably super nervous like because they're big fans of his as we all are i think and uh and uh and it, it just so like if you wa- I watched the video and then you know I heard the song after it was all done and I was like that is the perfect expression of like what are they actually going to do in this situation like what are they going to record and of course it's just them going I don't hope we don't fuck this up <laughs> don't fuck it up <laughs> yeah. don't fuck this up and then the the Jack yeah. White coming on say that was the greatest thing I ever played let's start a band <laughs> together no <laughs> I I love that song yeah. too that was on my list as well so I'm glad you picked that one Jen. So another another song off of the Tenacious D album, which again, I just absolutely love. I love Double Team. It is so funny. And it starts off as like, uh, like you were talking about Pucker Gently. It's like this ballady mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so it, it, it's, it almost starts off like this sweet love song. Take off your blouse and your underpants, then take it. One of the reasons why I love this so much is just all the different parts. Like it starts off with the gentle acoustic guitar and it comes in with the hard rocking stuff. And then when they talk about the cool 70s groove, they play a cool 70s groove. And it's like, oh, it's hilarious. And the and typically the I think the rock star ethos is more of a, uh, a you know, a double team the other way as opposed to. The... Yeah. I, yeah. Again, that I feel like that I, I sort of forgot about it because I've heard it so many times, but it's true. Like that is part of the central joke of the song is like let's have a three-way and it's like two guys <laughs> like it's like that's not especially and given especially, who the two yeah, guys Jack are Black and Kyle yeah Gass. like it's, it's so funny like that's what's so weird about how when I saw it on SNL like I just it didn't compute at all to me I was just like what is why is this what what are they doing um but I feel like that's why the HBO show was great it was because it was like it put them in the context of these weirdos who would go to open mics and just sing these weird songs. If they had, if SNL had literally just built a fake open mic night set and just done a sketch where the whole sketch was them playing that song, I would have been like, this is the greatest sketch ever. And have Paul F. Tompkins introduce him. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's a key key component. (laughs) I know. He's like a baby. Uh, It's crazy to see. (laughs) Yeah, and it was always great. There were a couple of times in my life where I got to see him introduce them live at shows, oh, and it awesome. was always like, oh my god, because that was another one of my dreams. Like, I always want, and I never actually got to do this, but I, I always wanted to write the thing that he said because, <laughs> like, on the show, there, the joke was that they would give him a piece of paper 
and he would come up and say, the next band asked me to read this. And it was like, it was always some stupid thing. Like, uh, if you're, if your asses are unblown, please prepare yourself for your ass to be blown because here's I like the one where whatever. it was like the CDC would like you to know that watching this band will give you 20 orgasms. Um, they felt and you should be prepared. Completely yeah. unemotional too. It's yeah. just like, yeah, and, and, no, yeah, and so, like, and he's Paul, like, this yeah, is... Paul would just read it in the most exasperated, like, I can't believe just that like they're put, a, me... put upon way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was great. Oh, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think would, at the, in the heyday of the message board, I wrote a lot of those intros <laughs> just on the off chance that I was ever called upon. And I none never of them, happened, they so. didn't even steal it from your site. I, That's upsetting I, I didn't, that they didn't even steal. Yeah, it. I, I don't, I don't think they were looking for help in that oh. department. <laughs> I think they had that covered. Paul Tompkins is good at that. So what are you gonna do? He, he's very. I, yeah, I don't know who wrote all those, or I think probably Jack and Kyle wrote some of them. Probably like Scott and BJ maybe wrote some of them. Maybe Paul wrote some of them. But uh, it, they were great. And uh, yeah, that song is amazing. And it went from being the song that confused me the most <laughs> to being one of my favorite. <laughs> Tenacious D songs because it's it's a, a it's another example of a legitimately great song that's also very funny because it's so crazy. Yeah. I don't know a single and, song uh, that isn't my favorite song by Tenacious D. I know it, you, you can't, can't really choose There's, right choosing you between choose. your children. It's not right. You shouldn't do it. Right, you sh- you shouldn't. It's okay, okay we're all parents here. We can choose between. Yeah, no, we all have one. It's fine. It's, I got mine. It's okay. I could choose a favorite child, but I can't choose a favorite. <laughs> <child>. <laughs> that's that's the way the hierarchy of of my life so typically at the end of the episode we give a ranking for the sense of humor of the bands and but usually from one to ten but in this case it's it's an 11 it's an 11 right it's a for for me for me it's a 60 okay (laughs) up top my brother it's a 69 i'm gonna change it that's Uh, that's what tenacious tenacious d only deserves a 69 they have to they they own that ranking and no one else is gonna touch it So, Matt, before we let you go, I, I just, you know, very quickly, you're a 15-year podcast veteran. I do want to ask, mm-hmm. what advice do you have for new podcasters, especially knowing that there are so many of them, uh, you know, going forward, uh, you know, carving out a niche in the uh, saturated uh, podcast audience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... I think being consistent is important, you know, like making sure you put something out every week and so that people who like it know that it's coming and they know when it's coming. I think that's super important. Um, I think developing a community around the show is, is, is hugely important. However you can, like whether it's on social media or maybe, maybe an old message board <laughs> out of the, uh, internet archive. Guys, I think we're going to have to start a message board is what I'm hearing. Yeah. I mean, why not? Right? Uh, just make it special like what you know everybody's got a you know a facebook page but what if you had your own message oh, board? So there you go be sweet. uh but yeah just and like you know you guys have a a, a good concept of uh, like the show is has a, a defined unlike never not funny it actually has <laughs> a hook to it and that's great like i think it's important to have a hook and and uh, make sure it's like unique and something that when people hear about it they go yeah that sounds fun you know i mean like, i think that's that's not easy to come up with but um, it's worth spending time thinking about <laughs> before you dive in because we we just like the fact that we were so early in the game, we were lucky in that we didn't have to have a hook. We just were like, the hook was that a professional comedian was hosting a podcast because that was sort of unique at the time. But um, 
it's not unique anymore. <laughs> so that's true. So you got to do better. You have to have some sort of got to have some sort of concept. I don't know if we can do better, but we can be consistent. <laughs> yes. We can have a weird. Yeah. No, no, you guys have it. You already have a premise. Yeah. Like your your show has a premise. I do. I do like because Jimmy and I were talking. Actually, we talked about your show on our show uh, yesterday, what? which comes out comes out Sunday. Yeah, because I was preparing to to do it. So we were. I was mentioning that I was listening to Tenacious D in preparation. And uh, and we were talking about how Jimmy really couldn't think of a band that he likes that has any sense of humor <laughs> at all. And uh, and I was like, yeah, that's the tra- the challenge of your show is like most bands aren't funny whatsoever, so it's tricky. Well, and in some cases we do. So we do. Uh, I pick a band, Jen picks a band, and then a listener picks a band. And typically, some- we have better hits on humorous on bands that have a sense of humor, right? Not humorous yeah. bands, not comedic bands, but bands that have right. a good sense of humor. But some of our mm-hmm. listener picks have been freaking amazing. Like when they're good, oh, good. they're amazing. Like, I don't yeah, know how, but they awesome. found me and Caro Caro Bonito were both amazing listener picks. So, cool. yeah. And do you, do, do you sometimes get a suggestion of a band you've never even yeah, heard of? Yeah, those two, those are both two that we've never heard oh, of before cool. that yeah, had amazing great. senses of humor. So, nice. yeah. Well, uh, hang on for just a second. We'll say goodbye to you off the air, but uh, we're going to say goodbye to the listener. So until next time, this is Kurt. And this is Jen. And And we we just just made made a podcast. podcast. Okay. One. That's our show. It's time to go. Gosh, that hour really went by fast. Hope you had fun. This ep is now done. Kurt and Jen made a podcast. Perfect. Is it though? Oh, my voice hurts my.